Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. And boy, did this one have an impact. It did, didn't it? It's a big one. Loosely tied to Christmas. Loosely or directly? Directly tied to Christmas. What debate? That whole I had a Christmas movie. Maybe it's a little cliche, a little lame to say that. Yeah. But we, won't, we won't spend a ton of time on that, but oh, it I needs think, to be addressed. Yeah, I like there's a Christmas tree in it. What do you want? Yeah, what do you want? It's a Christmas movie. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hey, yo. Yeah. Um, and I'm Greg. <laughs> big movie, this one. Big year, 1988. Big not year. much not much for you in 88, though. There was a lot in 88. You've probably got nothing to talk about for 88. I well. So usually Greg has a little tidbit for, of the year that kicks things off, but I think 88, he's probably got nothing. I don't know why you'd say that. Because Expo 88 Um, was in 88. Oh, okay. That's why it's called Expo 88. It's like a pun. Yeah, it's clever. It's a play on numbers. (laughs) Now, obviously, there's a few dedicated podcasts worth of content for Expo 88 itself. Miniseries on its way. Yeah. Sub, sub pod. (laughs) Uh, So rather than try and summarize it all into one little summary, I'm going to focus on a little area or a sub-area of Expo 88. The high divers? So I thought I'd start... No, not the high divers today. Oh, there are other things. Oh, there are other things. Oh. I'm going to start at the beginning. Shallow divers. At the entrance. Okay. Which is a iconic sign, the letters of the word Australia stacked onto each other, Ooh. designed by Australian icon Mr. Ken Doan. Ken Doan. What do you know about Ken Doan? Oh, I was about to Google it because one of those names that I know but I don't know. You don't know. He doesn't. He doesn't spring to life to you. Images of Sydney Harbour or the Great Barrier Reef splashed with colour. For me, he uh, yeah, his okay. art is the symbol of the eighties in Australia. His art is a symbol of I think placemats we had in my house. You some, would have yeah. most most family homes had these placemats. Yeah, I was. Oh, I loved him when I was a kid. Yeah, I'm I used into to getting it. confused with Magnum PI because he's got a moustache. Correct. I'm looking at that right now. The good squinty eye thing. Yeah, going on. yeah, I thought you know him converged with Tom Selleck was some like super male archetype. Yeah, yeah. Well, Don Mania swept Australia and Don't parts know. of the world. <laughs> yeah. In the late '80s, particularly, I distinctly remember having Ken Don bed sheets. Really? Yeah, they were epic. Fuck. It yeah, was, it was every. He was everywhere. I'm into that. This was, is way more interesting than Expo '88. Yeah. What? <laughs> um, so yeah, he did these really bright, colourful impressions of Australiana. Like Great Barrier Reef was popular subject matter. Sydney Harbour. Yep, gets a big workout, Opera House, and, and so forth. He was massive in Japan. Um, right. I definitely want to have like one of his pictures, like an original one day. He's back on trend a little bit. I could see that. That aesthetic yeah, is aesthetic, on point. It works, doesn't the it? The artist we were talking about just before. Yeah, Huge Skull, Mark Etherington. Oh, uh, huge Skull, but also the um, Marrickville pork roll. Yeah, that's a, it's, yeah, it's a popular look now, um, which I support. Yeah. So Sorry, that, 30%, but yeah. So Ken Doan, if you are the 30% or other, if you don't know him, look him up. He's great. Uh, 
And that is our tidbit for 88 today. Um, big year for expos. Big year for movies too. Now, I know Greg wasn't at the cinema in 88 because he was camped out in, in, in Brizzy. Happy trails. Happy trails. <laughs> I'm going to um, annoyingly just say random things from the movie. That's the good. Sorry. Ha, ha, ha. Um, Rain Man. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Coming to America. Crocodile Dundee. Twins. These are all, these are top five movies of 1988. Rambo 3. Big. Did you know Rambo means war in Japanese? Really? Was that intentional? Or was it named after the movie? I'm not sure. I just learnt that on the weekend. Yeah, interesting. Big was the big one. Masquerade, which I still don't know what it is. The Land Before Time, but number eight in 1988. That's triple eight, by the way, for those listening at home. Was Die Hard. Budget of $28 million and a gross of $141.5 million. Critics thought it was pretty good. Fans thought it was pretty gooder. 93% critics, 94%. What percent do you give it? I was a big fan of this movie. I feel like it was on TV a lot. And I think I probably just saw it on TV a lot. I don't think I ever rented it or anything. Because mm. 88 is early. Pretty young, I was yeah. four. <laughs> yeah. um, you didn't walk up the shops. <laughs> Hey, welcome to the party, pal. To the party, pal. Actually, I think Die Hard 3 was at the age where I was aware of things happening. I don't think, I still didn't see that at the cinema, but I remember my sister went to see it and it sounded exciting. Peter Potter, 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 Peter Potter. <laughs> there was a skit on Full Frontal or Fast Forward. Simon, Simon says, that's my Jeremy's Iron. Yeah, it's pretty good. Jeremy, Jeremy's Iron. Is that your anagram? <laughs> Correct. Jeremy's Iron. I just watched that episode the other day. Okay. Here's a ball. Yeah. Perhaps you'd like to bounce it. Got away from you, huh? Well, <laughs> Die Hard with a Vengeance, I often find myself, you know, if, I, if I'm if i alone with my thoughts too often, I often think of the the water riddle with the jugs. Do you oh, remember yeah. that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Die Hard, for, I always, I every now and then have to Google that to remind myself how that worked and I couldn't tell you how it worked now. But it was a pr- pretty intense moment in Die Hard 3. I would like to watch Die Hard 3 again. Yeah. I, well, I've also, seen it a lot. Well, I've realized I don't think I've seen Die Hard 2 in doing this. I've seen Die Hard 3 a lot. I've seen like Die Hard 1 a lot. And Holly at the end says, why does this keep happening to us? And that's all I remember. I don't remember it at all. Anyway, let's talk about part one though. I mean, every I think it's been pretty clear. You've named your son Bruce. You're a Bruce guy. Is this the Bruce entry point for you? This was it, this mate. Was the one. Yeah, this was a big deal uh, in my formative years. Yeah. But you didn't see it in the cinema. No. Rentals. I would have rented it. Maybe I don't. I don't know actually, but it was on TV a lot. We, I definitely had. A, I definitely had it recorded because I can. Even when I was watching it this time around, I could remember where the ads were. You know. You, oh wow! Yeah, in certain scenes like that was an ad there. That was an ad there. Huh. that's strong. Watched it with yeah, my family. Watched it by myself. Dad called Bruce Brucey baby, which I, I don't know. Didn't sit with me. Really? Here's Brucey baby. <laughs> That's weird. That's so weird. No, it was kind of weird. <laughs> it was a little weird. Good on him. Uh, and I had a diehard game on one of my, like a shitty. Yeah, apparently it came out two two years later. Yeah, I feel like I had shit. it. But I liked it. Yeah. And it was all the different diehards. Oh, okay. And then it's like diehard three as well. Oh, so it's and quite you, late. Okay. And if you threw a, threw a grenade, it said, happy drills. 
so happy happy trails I just threw wow. like six grenades yeah huh. so that's a pretty boring story so let's move on I thought it was quite good thanks man yeah um, should we get to the origin story of this yeah. picture go origin story wouldn't you know it this movie John was McTiernan well rewind even further John <laughs> even further jo- <laughs> this movie's based on a book sure is so this this movie was based on a book called nothing lasts forever by Roderick Thorpe in 1979 Roderick Roderick but that book is a sequel to a book from 1966 called The Detective, which was actually made into a movie starring one Frank Sinatra. Yeah. How about that? i got the trailer here. It's pretty interesting, but not that interesting. Like, uh, I think I'm going to be sick. No, you're not. You're going to tense your muscles and get out the notebook. Male, Caucasian, lying nude on floor, left side of skull crushed. Nestle, you're a miserable son of a bitch. Roderick Thorpe's number one bestseller, a literary guild selection. Now, an adult powerhouse on the screen. She's a whore, she's a pusher, she's an addict, and she's 19 years old. So that was a film starring Frank Sinatra based on a book called The Detective. It was a critical and commercial success. Roderick then decides to write a book sequel. And you're Rod. Yeah, he's like, well, fuck, yeah, they're going to make another movie too. And this is really the ultimate precasty because because of the way this was structured, the studio was obliged to offer the role. First right of refusal. Yeah, to Frank Sinatra to be the lead in Die Hard. John McClane. He was in his 70s. But actually, if you read the, the synopsis of the original book, it kind of makes sense because it's not his wife, it's his daughter. There's a few things that, that, that make more sense. So the, the plot of the book was um, rep- retired police detective Joel, Joe Leland. Who's Joe Leland? That's McLean. That's his, the character's name. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, the plot thickens because he's visiting the headquarters of Claxo Oil Company in LA on Christmas Eve uh-huh. where his daughter works. German terrorists take over, led by Anton, Little Tony and Red Gruber. The terrorists plan to steal documents that will publicly expose the the Claxon Corporation's dealings with Junta Chile, which I don't know a lot about, but some kind of corruption uh, that was of the time. And and Leland actually, so this is actually quite interesting. So his daughter works in this company. The yeah. terrorists are trying yeah. to expose the truth about this company. And the dad's like, fuck, they're actually telling the truth. And my daughter's kind of fucked up. Like that's the story of the book. So he believes his daughter's involved in some fucked up shit. So it's it's kind of interesting. But you mentioned this before, Towering Inferno. He was inspired by the Towering Inferno. Yeah, so he went to watch Towering Inferno. Must have loved it because he fell asleep. Have you ever seen that? No, but it's one of those classics. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I won't watch it. I'll probably watch it. I at always some get it confused point. with the Poseidon Adventure. It's it's that it's of that ilk. Great mm. movie posters. Get me out of I this like large the, thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. This is. I'll, I'll come back to something on that in a second. But um, the Towering Inferno. He fell asleep and had a dream about a man being chased through the skyscraper with guns, and was like, "Wait a second. They might have been Tommy guns. They might have been. But eventually, that became, of course, nothing lasts forever. Regular guns." Uh, so, yeah, it was written with that intention to be a movie. Now, of course, 
as you may have guessed, if you've seen the movie, Frank Sinatra is not in it. That's because he didn't accept the role. Because he was dead. Yeah, he was alive. He was ah, in his 70s. Sorry. But they were back at square one. But enter Joel Silver. Joel we'll, Silver. I've got a bit more on this guy later. But Joel Silver, you know, big friend of the show. Um, Lat Pack OG. Hothead. Um, My way or the highway. Yeah, he's one. Of, he's definitely one of those guys. But, you know, he's uh, Predator. He is Commando. He is... One of us, essentially. Friend of the show. Without Joel, no double impact. Without Joel, no double impact. That is true. But this is the ascension of Joel Silver. So he'd been around at this point. Like I said, he, he had done Commando. He had done Predator. He'd done, he had done Lethal Weapon. Anyway, so he's killing it. And so he's made his own company called um, Silver Pictures. He comes across this concept Larry said, we have this book, and a script came in. It's kind of not bad. And, you know, if you'll produce it, I think they'll make the movie. Because at that moment, I had a little bit of heat because I had come off both Lethal Weapon and Predator. And they had both kind of opened up within a few months of each other. So, you know, at least it looked like I know how to do these kind of movies, which was a mystery. It, it, by the way, it's still a mystery. But, you know, but, but it was a mystery. Nobody knew how to do them or how to make them happen. I don't know. We all sat around, and, and I had just come back from Mexico with John McTiernan, who had said, I do not want to work for a while. I want to take some time off. And I said, well, you, you can after you do this one. And uh, he read it and said, OK, let's figure it out. And we just... So this guy, Steve D'Souza, who I loathe and despise today, but then I was very happy with, he, he, he came in and said, I think I can help you pull this off. And we just started writing. And then we started shooting. It was like, bam, it was like, I mean, it can't happen today because they, they vet these scripts through so many people that when they finally come to shooting, they're horrible. So there's two big names in there. John McTiernan, as you mentioned before, Gregory. But another one that should sound familiar to friends of the show. Yes. Stephen E. D'Souza. Yes. Now, John McTiernan, we know. We know and love from Predator. JT. He did go on to do Last Action Hero, another another movie we've covered here. Thomas Crown Affair, Hunt for Red October. <laughs> Stephen E. D'Souza, though, was writer of 48 Hours, Commando, The Running Man, <sighs> went on to direct Street Fighter. Oh. Yeah, so this is good, the when good are we and doing the bad. Street Fighter? Oh, we've got to work our way up to it. I, think, I know, but uh, how far away is it? At this far. point, I think it'll be like 2035, maybe. It's a way away. It's I a think. way away, yeah. Because um, Van Damme appeared to have made about 10 movies a year. <laughs> like we're up to 1990 on Van Damme. Anyway, um, uh, so, yeah, some big lap pack royalty up in here on this one. So the, the next step was really the casting. So the book has been adapted by Steve E. D'Souza into a killer script. Joel Silver's on board. There's a powerhouse behind this thing. The next question is the casting. And Arnie's, yeah. Arnie's obviously the top of the list. But if... if if you've been paying attention, you know there's one big reason why Arnie wouldn't do this movie. The Germans? Because he wanted to show his uh, sense of humor. He's off doing the twins with Danny DeVito and all of the things. Oh. Yeah, so he's off doing, you know, diversifying his image. Oh, he doesn't want to be. because was the Germans and he was like, I'm more Germans than these actors. That's true too. It's a very good point, Craig. But we talked about this in another episode, uh, the Commando episode, about how there's this urban legend that Die Hard is actually a sequel to Commando, and it, uh, yeah. and 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 upon further investigation, it it appears to be an open legend because I think it, it may have been written that way. If he was cast, maybe they would have made that happen. But it certainly, I mean, it's based on a book, so it wasn't. 
But the the interesting thing here is yeah. that you got this guy, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's the initial casting decision for this movie, but he wants to go off and do a comedy. So what do they do? They go hire a guy who's known for comedy. He's breaking his way into action. Wow. Little Bruce Willis, welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. But before they did get there, there was a little uh, detour pursuing Richard Gere. Joel offered him the role. He said no. Clint Eastwood, Burt Reynolds, Sylvester Stallone, Harrison Ford, Don Johnson, Mel Gibson, all turned it down. The stars were aligning. The stars were aligning. All All the stars were not aligning and they got Bruce instead. I say that in jest because Bruce got paid unprecedented for his yes. level of fame. Five milli for this. That's a lot of money in 99. That's a lot of money. For, like what, do you know what a big headliner was getting at that stage? I think you'd get five million if you were one of those guys. Arnie. Yeah, one of the other guys. So he got paid a much, being a much smaller name as what the big guys were getting paid. 100%. He had just opened another movie that apparently did pretty well, but he was, this is Moonlighting. He, he was a TV guy. I never watched Moonlighting. Did you ever watch Moonlighting? No. So he was currently at this point starring in a TV show called Moonlighting with Sybil Shepherd. Sybil Shepherd. And they dated, I believe. Did they? Yeah. Or maybe not. Well, here's the thing. He actually wasn't available. So this is a bit like Back to the Future with Michael J. Fox because they were shooting. But guess what? Sybil Shepherd got knocked up and they had to stop shooting. Oh. Um, for, so he had six weeks or something available and they went and made a fucking movie. How good is that? Not bad. Not bad. We were laughing stocks. We paid him $5 million. We're idiots. I mean, who was this Bruce Willis, a television star who cared? And, and so we made a deal with him, and he only had these six weeks. He had six weeks, which was through Christmas and New Year's, and then he was gone. And the way the structure of the movie was, we could shoot, it was like, you know, it was like a musical. I mean, they had the book and the, we had all of his stuff inside the building, which we could shoot during the six weeks. And then we have all this stuff outside the building, which was another six weeks. So he gets the money, he gets five milli. That's pretty tasty. It's pretty they give tasty. you like one big check? How does it work? Yeah, novelty size check. I hope so. That'd be nice. Anyway, I think I guess the only other key ingredient here in origin story is really thinking about Alan Rickman, who at this point was a theatre guy, TV guy, hadn't been in any movies. Thespian. Thespian. Joel Silver saw him in uh, uh, on Broadway, Dangerous Liaisons, or some, uh, how do you say that in French? Le... Yeah. Uh, uh, and was like, that's our guy. So, I mean, there's two very unconventional casting choices, which we'll get into when we dive into the movie. They really rolled the dice. They did roll the, they rolled two of them. Isn't it interesting that they've rolled two of them? Yeah. And I think that's a big part of why it works, but we'll I'm get into sure that. So there is a rule in Hollywood that says only roll one die. Yeah. For, roll one die, shame on you. Roll two dice, shame on me. Can't fool me again. Can't fool him again. Ah, <laughs> uh, W, you uh, favorite comedian. Yeah, so we'll get more into that as we dive into the the meat of the movie because there's a lot to unpack there. But that's how it all came about. Let's play the trailer. Let's. We thank you, one and all, and wish you a merry Christmas and a happy New Year. It's Christmas Eve in L.A. But a team of terrorists. You want money? What kind of terrorists are you? Who said we were terrorists? 
have their own holiday plans. And I'm telling you, you just got to kill me. Okay. We do it the hard way. But the one thing they didn't plan on was New York cop John McClane. Got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew? Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? yippee ki mother... And you'll have it! They have already killed one hostage. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Lady, do I sound like I'm ordered to pizza? Come to Papa, honey. Are you really an American? Only if New Jersey counts. What does he think he's doing? Good job. Here's the artillery on us. Your area is the police. He's an easy guy to like. Welcome to the party, pal. And a hard man to kill. Bruce Willis. Die Hard. That's not how I thought that trailer would look. It's interesting you say that because I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to get too far into all that stuff yet. But there is something about this movie that it is living in two worlds almost of like a B grade action movie that turned out to be an A grade action movie. Like it's it's really interesting. But before we get into that, for those fools out there that may have not have seen it or may not have seen it for some time, what 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 went down in this movie? Uh yeah, yeah. So, I'll set the scene. Somewhere in Germany, perhaps the 1960s, two young 10-year-old brothers, Hans <laughs> and Simon, look out across the Danube and dream of their destiny. Simon perhaps wondering why he's the only kid called Simon in their town. <laughs> Fast forward. 30 years. Los Angeles, USA. The city of angels in the land of opportunity. One of the brothers is planning to make his move, to fulfill his destiny. And his destiny lies in the form of $640 million in negotiable bearer bonds <laughs> stored securely away in the vault in the executive suites of the Nakatomi Plaza. He gathers a team and descends upon the building. The mean Mr. Joseph Takagi, who was hosting a cocaine and alcohol-fueled sex party <laughs> for his minions, refuses to play ball and accuses them of being terrorists. Meanwhile, an alcoholic cop is in the building and starts killing off Gruber's men. He torments them and steals Hans's detonators, which makes Hans very sad. Where are my detonators? <laughs> The drunken cop systematically kills Hans' friends. Free, motherfucker, jump it! There are also police outside who are also unhappy with the drunk cop, but the drunk cop doesn't care. He just says things like jerkweed and yippee <laughs> In the end, Hans dies, killed by the drunk cop who then pashes his ex-wife. All that killing made him horny. Interesting. It's also a love story. Ah. About two men 
Met over CB radio. The bromance is strong in this one, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's lovely. I love the bromance. I love this. the bromance. I love it a lot. And I think that's what's missing from a lot of the sequels. It's a simple, sim- I mean, there's a lot missing from a lot of the sequels. But kind of gets the bromance with Sam- Samuel with and the Zeus. third. But yeah. there's a lot. I think the main thing is when I'm rewatching it, just, it's just simple. It's so simple. It's just a man. Just a guy, and it escalates. It's a guy on the other end of the radio. They chat, and you know, and t- he saves the day. Saves the day. He calls people jerkweed and whatnot. Um, and it, I feel like it's one of those ones. I was thinking I was watching it. It's just one of those ones where it's been so tarnished by the sequels that you forget how good the first one is. It's just so balanced. Like, like it's not in. It's not the same as these movies, but movies like Predator, like Rambo, or no, like First Blood. Yeah, like. Rocky even, even like Alien or even, oh, you know. Alien, but Alien, like, Aliens is good too. Yeah, Aliens is good too, but then after that. But they've just, a lot of these things became franchises, but they weren't intended to be franchises. And they started with a pretty solid core concept like this, simple, grounded. Perfect, arguably. Yeah. This movie is And this is one of those, man. This is one of those. I forgot I forgot about the, the limo guy altogether. Argyle. Yeah, and then when I was watching, I was like, oh, Yeah. And he looks so much younger than I. Oh remember. my god, doesn't he? Because I thought, I guess I was probably his age, but I was watching. He younger that age. was one of the like, whoa, he looks super young. Oh, speaking of age, Bruce Willis was thirty-two when he made this. What? Yeah. So you're watching a thirty-two-year-old in that movie. Now I found this very, very hard. He still feels way older than us. Yeah, and this is something I've struggled with, and maybe it's a life stage thing that that you can relate to or our listeners can relate to because we're all kind of in the same bucket here, of by definition, I feel like TV has always been a box in the lounge room filled with people older than myself. Yeah. And like going back and watching old episodes of Friends even and there's one episode into into like season five or something where they're all turning 30. I'm like, wait, so you were 25 before? <laughs> Aren't you all older than me? Like it, that shit blows my mind. Bruce yeah. Willis is 32 of this movie that doesn't make any sense. In other words, Greg, we, we're getting old, I guess. Yeah, and he's got like a seven-year-old or something. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting old, man. We're getting old. One day, everyone in movies is going to be younger than us. One day. Except for Gandalf. Yeah. <laughs> How was the rewatch for you? Uh, it was a real treat. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting. There was little bits I didn't remember. I've seen this. I actually haven't seen this for, for quite a while. Yeah, I hadn't seen it for a while. And there was lots of stuff I didn't remember. Like... I didn't notice that the guy was doing drugs in the office. Ellis. Yeah, I forgot that character existed. Oh, I didn't forget he existed. I just didn't remember he did. He drugs. was pretty perfect. He's great. Everyone in this is great. Yeah, there's no dead weight. I have no. I think the wife is a bit shit. You would. I think it's more the casting. I, like I think it. it should have been daughter. When I read that in the that that was the the book, I think it should have been daughter. But he's, he was only thirty two. But I guess uh, that wouldn't have worked. Yeah, it wouldn't have worked, man. The, the oldest thirty two year old I've ever seen. So maybe they could have done it. I think I might have mentioned this to you offline. Carol was thirsting hard for Bruce. Right. She was really into him, which was That's weird. Interesting. I didn't see him that way. Well, I've never. <laughs> go figure. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, like it wasn't like a. Oh yeah, I get it. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. With his funny little I, chest hair. I I like patch. him. He's got like this. Patch. And hey, let's be clear. We're not afraid to go there with this kind of thing. Like just took a, a carry Fukunaga. Carry. He's your boy. Gary Fukunaga. <laughs> if, that's his, if that's his name. Um, screaming at his 
<laughs> Phone again. So this is not like a, no, like, fuck that. I don't think he's good looking. But no. He, I mean, I, I worship him. Yeah, for other reasons, but I don't get him as like a, as a heartthrob. But he has charisma. He has charisma. He sure does. And he has, he has layers. Come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. He talks to himself a lot. He probably does. What, probably what keeps him sane. Yeah. Well, that's a good point too. Apparently that line was written on the spot, not improv but told to him through a, I don't know, fucking microphone or whatever. But I, I, we, we kind of touched on this when we were talking about origin story, but, man, a big part of why this works has to be the casting, right? Casting is. Like that's level. the thing that elevates this movie because if you put, like look at those precasters there, right? If you put Schwarzenegger or Stallone in John McClane's role, this is just your stock standard. Yeah, I mean, it is a Commando sequel. We like Commando, but it, in in the order of yeah. in the pecking order of action movies, it is not, it's there not. Is, it's, there is light years between. It, uh, yeah, exactly, and, and Die Hard. it's super interesting to get this guy that's known for comedy, and then to get a, a, the villain who's and, not a big scary guy; he's just a theater guy. Yeah, that's pretty fucking cool, man. Magic, and I I feel like that wasn't necessarily in the script. The ordinary guy in extraordinary situation kind of thing, because if your first go to is Arnold Schwarzenegger, then you're no longer talking about ordinary guy, ordinary situation, extraordinary yeah. situation. Like, I love how it just kind of builds, and it's just some guy, and he gets real brutal by the end. Like when stuff that I didn't really notice as a kid, or at least I forgot about, like the, the feet, obviously. Oh, the but, feet. but then when his his feet are on the glass, and there's just blood running all over it, it's so brutal. And by the end, he's just like, Hans! you know, like it's. He's Pretty broken. brutal. Wonder when the casting piece. At what point? Because okay, I'm, I'm assuming if you can't get one of those big names of that type of person, yeah, I would have thought that you default to a lesser name of that type of person. Yeah, like you go to Van Damme or something, or yeah, like a B grade. Yeah, Dolph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they've gone quite obtuse to that. I reckon that's the genius of Joel Silver, hey, because he, he seemed what to like, he, he cherry-picked it. He nailed it. It's perfect, but I just I'm fascinated. It was like, we want that guy. And on paper, it wasn't the right guy. And no. he said, they all laughed at us for paying him $5 million, but. But suck a dick. I, and that's, that's, that's why I'm Joel Silver. I you the, are not. I reckon that's the biggest thing. Some movies, the casting is almost the idea. Uh-huh. Mm. Actually, I've got a clip here of uh, old Brucey Boy talking about it. Not your son, Bruce. Bruce Willis. Oh, Brucey baby. Brucey baby. <laughs> Simply an ordinary guy who was thrown into extraordinary circumstances. He's not some super cop, some indestructible, unfeeling, unemotional guy. He's a guy who, who, uh, who, who cares for his wife. He cares about his own life. He cares about staying alive. This could have very easily become a very heavy, kill everybody, blood and guts, bullets flying everywhere film. But uh, when your life is on the line, you could die at any moment. A, a very strange sense of humor comes out. And uh, from the research that I did, and you know, you know, talking to the, you know the various officers and detectives who helped us on this, they helped me a lot. You know, to find that, to find that, that kind of black humor. But yeah, so obviously he, he he's like kind of grounded. He brings it down to like a real kind of human level. And and the other part of that is yeah, the he old sure does. Yeah. And then Alan Rickman, of course. The man the man can play a villain. Oh. Love actually. Yeah. Fuck, I hate that movie. Yeah. It's full of horrible people. 
Why this you, time of year, everyone's like, Love Actually is such a good movie. It. They're all horrible people. This guy's cheating on his wife, the yeah. whole thing? Yeah. And then the guy with, with some the... some slut in the office. And the guy with his best mate just gets married and he's handing out the, the signs of the... Oh. What the fuck? And then they call He that, creeps, he films his mate's wedding and just films the bride the whole time. Oh, fuck. And then the prime minister hooks up with that chick and people call her fat and she's just a pretty lady. And then there's some other part that's really depressing. It's not a happy... It's what the fuck, man. Anyway, Alan Rickman's a good villain. <laughs> His first movie. We, so we're doing Christmas movies. We do not. We do not like Love Actually. No, we don't like Actually. We don't love Love Actually. Actually, I still watch it, but oh, watch it, yeah. <laughs> but I won't enjoy it. I'll complain about it the whole time. Uh, first movie at the age, ripe old age of forty-two, um, and this guy, quite the actor, quite the thespian. You know what he says. Upon being cast, he's like, I'm hey. not playing a villain. Oh, did he say that? I'm playing somebody who wants a certain things in life and has made certain choices and goes after them. You almost sounded like Morgan Freeman. I can't do it. I yeah, feel I like I did it. when I was younger. I don't have the richness in my voice. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. It's not an easy, yeah. Harry Potter. <laughs> I can't get there. You sound like you got a mouthful of water. Yeah, so does he. Uh, he's laid a muffin. Um, <laughs> but this is this is the thing, right? This guy gets cast, and he's a good actor, is he not? He's a good actor. He's a good villain. We've established that. We've established that. Love actually is a good villain. He says he can do an American accent. Now, this is where I I question I question things, Greg. His American accent. Are you are you feeling it? No, but I don't feel his German accent either. Oh, I was going to ask. Is he doing one? <laughs> Because I thought, my memory of it was he's doing a German accent. And then watching this, I was like, oh, wait, I don't think he is. Is it just his his tone of his voice that sounds like it is? Is he meant to be? I don't know. He's German, right? I his guess. Name is Hans Gruber. Yeah. He's German. But it's funny. I, it was one of those ones, like, it was about halfway through the movie and I was like, oh, wait. But he even not- says, when he says, where are, my, where are the detonators? Yeah. He says, the detonators. Surely the easy shortcut for doing a German accent is Z- to say, <laughs> where are the detonators? Yeah. But he yeah, goes, so where are the detonators? Well, like, come on, he, he may want to be doing a, a, a German accent. He sure as hell ain't doing an American accent. Oh, please, God, no, you're one of them, aren't you? You're one of them. No, don't, don't kill me, please, no, please. Don't kill me, don't kill me, please. Whoa, please, whoa, please, whoa, please, relax, relax. So that, that, what, that part... Okay, it's not the best accent I've ever heard, but contextually I can kind of get behind it, like whatever. But then later in that same scene. Yeah. You don't work for Nakatomi. And if you're not one of them. Like, whether or not, yes, he's doing hard R's or whatever. But his voice starts hard. <laughs> you can't. That's like as about as convincing as Arnold Schwarzenegger's Australian accent. This is not a knife. But this is a knife. That's not a knife. It's, an un- it's unusual. It's unusual. So, no, of course, McLean is going to know. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, he... I guess that's why he knows. And I guess. No, in... he's meant to. You know how he's meant to know? How? So, apparently. The names. They cut some scenes. Oh. Because I was like, how does he know? Like, he's doing an accent. He's obviously not picking, like, pick up the accent. But he apparently, 
in earlier scenes, all the guy, all the bad guy, all the terrorists are wearing tags on the wrist. Yeah, tag watches. And so, oh. and then he, he, every time he killed someone, he saw they had a tag on, and then he saw that he had the same tag oh. when he lit the cigarette. I think it was obvious enough with that. Maybe, maybe in the editing room, they were like, actually, you don't need the tag watch because this accent is horrendous. I don't think so. They, they, they had to cut a couple of the other tag scenes and then the tag scene made no sense because they uh, cut it from... Well, also, screen. conveniently, he couldn't do an accent, so it worked yeah. out pretty good. You're probably, you're probably <laughs> but, um Let's just agree to agree. But also, but the logic of that scene, why did he even let him... If you're McLean and you're like, okay, this is one of the guys, just get him then and there. Don't give him a gun with no bullets in it just to have a moment. Just take him down. Shoot him. Yeah, take him down. What are you doing? Didn't know it was him at first. But he did. Because he was no, there were no bullets in the gun. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's there's quite a few of those types of moments. Yeah, yeah, but it but is like, uh, it is fun. I'm not going to be a fucking killjoy. No, we're not going to be killjoy. It works. It's fine. But, you know, uh, his accent like, doesn't work. But mobiles it's fine. did exist. Oh, but the lying on the beach, earning twenty percent. When they touch down, we'll blow the roof. They'll spend a month sifting through the rubble, and by the time they figure out what went wrong, we'll be sitting on a beach. Earning 20%. 20%. Can you really imagine Hans Gruber lying on the beach and relate like... <laughs> <laughs> yes, it. Yeah. <laughs> Pasty white yeah. German. English. Yeah. Like, could, could I have a mojito? <laughs> like, please. <laughs> Daiquiri. No, no. I'd like to hire a snorkel. Like, he's not having fun. One thing, I always struggle with this with... Um, these kind of movies. Maybe you're wrong. Maybe you just don't know Hans. Maybe he's a really fun guy. I told you he was staring at the Danube. I don't know what Danube is. The River Danube. Oh, I still don't know what that is in Germany. You don't know? You've never heard of the Danube? No, what is it? It's a fuck off river that runs through One Europe. of the biggest river. Maybe I'm in denial. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, was it? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. But Adam Pitchroom was a fun guy. I had a white I always, I always struggle with this with these movies. They win this money. What are they going to do with it? How do they have fun? Are they really going to lie on a beach and earn 20%? Like he's just going to put his toes in the sand and that's his idea of joy. What's his idea of joy? He's, this is joy for him. He's going to want to do more. He's not going to relax. Maybe he'll get some hookers and some coke. And murder them probably. Maybe he will join an elite, you know, wizard school as a teacher. Oh, that's interesting. A connected universe, perhaps. Obviously. I do think on the casting front, though, the wife, no good. Give her a break. Don't be so sexist. Oh, you know, I just think, you know, this movie's good until there's any women in it. You know me. <laughs> no, I just think she's no, like, the, there's no chemistry there. I don't oh, get why they hook back up at right. the end. I reckon it makes more sense as a daughter. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. I remember watching it when I was little and I thought she was a mad bitch because she hung up on the housekeeper. What would I do without you? The She hangs up. She doesn't say goodbye. Oh, but that's such a movie thing. Yeah, but this was like the first movie in right. my, that stuck for me. I'm like, why don't they say goodbye? That's such a weird movie, not real life thing where people don't say goodbye on the phone. Because we've talked about this before. Hey, they just go. I've got a mate that does it. Sometimes they say okay or something and they just hang up. i got a mate that does it. Really? Yeah, he's an asshole. <laughs> but there's no signal. You know who you are. There's no signals that the He's conversations. Or <laughs> listening. There's no signals that the conversation's ending. 
Yeah, that's his thing. He just hangs out when he's that's ready. That's weird. Oh, there's another – I feel like there's another trope in here that's like the origin of this Let me trope. Google trope again. <laughs> Cliché. Thank you. Who's in charge here? Not anymore, you nut. Not anymore. There's one of those in here. Jason Johnson and Johnson. Yeah. No, no relation. Hey, how you doing, man? I'm Agent Johnson. This is Special Agent Johnson. Oh, how you doing? No relation. I'm, uh, I'm Dwayne Robinson, LAPD. I'm in charge here. Not anymore. That's one of my that's one of my favorites. That's one of my favorites, and and brought to its uh, heightened hilariousness in uh, massive friend of the show Trey Parker's little cartoon called South Park. Do you remember this? I fucking love this yeah. so much. Excuse me, who's in charge here? I am. Yeah, well, not anymore. You're not. This department has just been assigned to the FBI. That's outrageous. On whose order? On order of the Secretary of Defense. You had your shot. <laughs> now I'm in charge. Not anymore. You're not. Orders just came down from Central. They want ATF handling this on all fronts. All right, people, from now on, you're answering to me. Not anymore, they're not. Orders from the president. He wants this handled by his staff personally. Now Nelson is in charge. Not anymore, I'm not. We do this my way. I'm the one in charge. Not anymore, you're not. Oh, snap. <laughs> so that's one of those ones that when we do this show. Uh, cliche origins would be great to keep an eye on. Yeah. I feel like that may be one, a, but who knows? What, you never know what the first yeah. one's really going to be. But you just got to keep digging. Just got to keep digging. So man. that guy, Agent Johnson, yeah, Mister Funny Face, yeah, he's quite an eighties and nineties guy, isn't he? His buddies with Schwarzenegger, apparently. Yeah, yeah. His name's Robert John Davy. Right. So he's he in was, lots of stuff. For a second, I thought he was he killed Mozart, but it's not the same guy. No, it's it? different. The guy that killed Mozart. Yeah. Um, he's in the Goonies. Ah, right. License to Kill. He's in Predator 2. Oh, right. Showgirls, Action Jackson, Raw Deal. Huh. He's in stuff, man. He's on the periphery. He's always a bad guy. Yeah. He's got that face. Kind of bad guy in this. Not really. Like he doesn't. Well, he's, he's an antagonist of some sort, I suppose. He's in, he's in the way. What about in this when he goes, quit being part of the solution, stop being part of the pro... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> quit being part of the... Problem stopping part of this, you know, he said something like those. That's like a pretty common. Yeah. If you're not, part, the same if you're not part of the problem. You're not part <laughs> Help. <laughs> I'm just trying to work it out. <laughs> Quit being part of the problem. You're not part of the solution. You're part of the problem. Yeah. I think I've said that to people in the office quite a bit over the years. I say it all the time. Yeah. Like, hey, we're, let's look for solutions, guys. It's not, it's not a. All I'm hearing is problems here. Yeah. So he was he was early with management chalk. <laughs> he was. John McLean. Oh, uh, yeah. Leadership by John McLean. He was one of those first guys. I saw a cop left the set and he's like, huh, half day. He was, <laughs> he's full of great office banter, he's this got, guy. He has got some corporate zingers. He's got some corporate zingers. I got some stuff on some of the other lesser parts. Oh, here you got. What you got? What um, you got? What you got? So Carl, mm. the lead henchman. Oh. I thought you meant Reginald. That comes back from the dead. Oh, yeah. He's a fucking, was a ballerina. Yeah. So if you noticed his graceful pursuit of John McClane across the roof with a machine gun. Yeah. It could be attributed to the fact that he was a member of the Bolshoi Ballet. In fact, was its principal danseur. Really? 
It's lead dancer. That ball show is a big deal, man. I heard he was a dancer, but I didn't know it was that serious. He's yeah. Russian. Right. So but pretty sadly, or very sadly, I should say, he died at 45. Oh, fuck. Um, I haven't written his name down, which is kind of bad, but he was a massive pisshead. How did he die? Uh, he died of alcoholism. What do you mean of alcoholism? Can you just die of alcoholism? Well, yeah, like his liver shut down. Oh, okay. And it led to hepatitis of some description. Oh, then you die of hepatitis, surely. Yeah, but his boozing yeah, yeah, caused yeah. it. Of course. Wow. Sorry, Tristan. I didn't realize you were, I was with sitting. Uh, we're trying to fill out a coroner's with, report with right Dr. here. <laughs> Dr. Burrell. So that's cool. <laughs> oh, well, I guess it's not. Did you know two of our Christmas specials yeah. have a connecty bit? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, your favorite character from this film? Reginald. Bonnie Bedelia. Who's that? The wife. Holly. Uh, Full name uh, Bonnie Bedelia Culkin. She is Macaulay Culkin's auntie. Wow. wow. You know how Macaulay Culkin had that, wow. had that dad that has that dad that was his manager and stuff? Yeah, this, well, this is his sister. Right. She's a good egg. Is she a good egg? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that's why I get bad vibe from her. I don't like her. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Theo? Did you recognize Theo? Huxtable. Um, what? Theo who? The guy breaking into the safe. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought you meant, I thought you meant the Theo Huxtable. Um, Theo is Chuck Norris's partner in Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh, yeah. I can see that now. Yeah, that's him. Wow. Wow. Argyle? Who's that? Did you? was that again? Argyle's the you know, limo driver. Oh, yeah. Did you, we watched the same movie? Yeah, I don't remember the names. Yeah, yeah. He was the kid who tried to steal the guitar off Ray Charles in the Blues Brothers. Whoa. Now go on, get. Breaks my heart. Boy, that young going bad. Dun, 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 dun. Now I heard about a fellow you've been dancing with. Yeah. Yeah. Now you get it. Yeah. Oh, we were going to do that movie. Yeah, Did we, we both watch it and we just didn't do it? I haven't finished watching it. It's hard to watch for me to watch at home because it's so loud. Ah, and yeah. I, I'd have to watch it at night. You need the music. I want, I want it loud. Wow, those are some good calls. Yeah, there's some interesting little tidbits on the cast. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, the other thing that's interesting about this one, we touched on it a little bit, is uh, I think we forget, especially people our age, because we were such youngsters at this time. But before this movie... The state of action movies, they were they were considered B movies apparently, and I think like we're saying, like I think the reason this gets elevated is is the casting. Yeah, the trailer looks B. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I was thinking as that trailer came out. You could just imagine Van Damme's face popping out in that. But Joel Silver talks about it how like a lot of how this came about was quite unconventional and unexpected because because. Action movies were seen as filler movies. You've got a gap in your schedule, just throw an action movie in there. Something, mm. you know, something with Stallone or whatever, just something, something easy. Keep the numbers. It's, it's not going to, it's not going to kill it, but it will do fine. It will make some money. When Die Hard was an unusual picture, in that you know, um, in those days, still they would say we need an action movie for here. I mean, and action movies were B movies. I mean, they weren't thought of as A pictures as we th- think of them today. They were, you know, programmers. 
interesting to think about that, right? Mm. And because I think this was as we were becoming old enough to be conscious of movies and stuff. But then we ended up growing up in the era that, in hindsight, was the peak action movie era. But it's a bit like how, like what Marvel movies are now. If you think about like superhero movies 15 years ago, they were kind of B grade ish. Like they weren't really the, yeah. the powerhouses that, like Blade and like, they were there and people liked them. Blade's sick. Yeah, Blade's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's interesting. I never thought about action movies really that way. I just always thought they were huge. But and it explains why a lot of those actors were saying no. Like Richard Gere's like, nah, man. Doing a fucking action movie. Yeah, like what are you talking about? I just completed Officer and a Gentleman. Yeah. I have a gerbil in my asshole for the next four weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why is he English? Ah, who knows? This is Richard Gere. He wears glasses and he's got great hair. Makes sense. The um, but the Marvel thing made me think as well. This they had an opportunity here with these uh, these mix of characters in these action movies to make a cinematic universe before Marvel made that a thing. Because Joel Silver produced Commando, Joel Silver produced Die Hard, Joel Silver produced Predator. Imagine if Expendables was actually those characters coming together, not just those actors coming together. Wow! Like imagine if John Matrix teamed up with McClane because. The terrorist organization that Gruber was working for was the same as what what's his name was working for. So, what was you guys' name? Bennett. Bennett. Yeah, so Bennett and Gruber were from the same place. And the Schwarzenegger did to, to, to John McClane. Trails. But they can't do it alone. So they have to get Sylvester Stallone, the Rambo, to take it on. So that would be that would be, that's Expendables, I reckon, right there. That would be good. Make it a, a connected cinematic universe, an Avengers moment. Yeah. That could have been. That could have been something. And and John Kimball. <laughs> He's a cop. He's a cop. Idiot. You idiot. Who's your daddy? What does he do? And Walker, Texas Ranger. Maybe put Axel Foley in it. Oh, Joel Silver produced Forty Eight Hours. You could get some Eddie Murphy in there somehow. Yeah. Yeah. As the Prince of Zamunda. Yeah, there you go. Now, you, now you're cooking with gas. So, uh, hey, Joel Silver. On that note, I've been pretty impressed with him to date, and especially watching some of those interviews I played clips from. I'm like, this guy. I like this guy. He's a bit eccentric, but I like this guy. But upon further research, apparently Tom Cruise's Les Grossman character is based on yeah, him. He is. I thought I thought, knew, it, I thought you knew that. I always thought it was based on um, Ivy. Yeah, Harvey Weinstein. No, it's Joel Silver. It's Joel Silver. How about that? That's that kind of blows my mind because it makes me it makes me like, oh, I thought. No, I think he's. Oh. I think that's what I mean. He's like my way of the highway. I think he's like a. He's out there for sure, but he, I didn't think he was a monster. Like Les Grossman, I'm like, oh, Harvey Weinstein. I can see, yeah, he's a real fucking piece of work. But I could see if you're on this guy's bad side. He said it in some of those interviews. I don't know if it's included in any of the clips I played. He's like, yeah, I hate that fucking guy. Like he just talks about it. We wouldn't open. be though. We wouldn't be. No, he would love us. He hey, would love us. I, I ate at the restaurant that he sometimes ate at. And sometimes <laughs> paid to have flown over the world to cater yeah. for his sex parties. Yeah. He is odd and I think he knows it because he he talks about how he's not a normal person because he just kind of went straight into Hollywood from, from uni and so he has no real grasp on reality. He has no life experience. But there's this mad clip I found of um, Ryan Gosling talking about his, basically the process of of Joel Silver wooing him, which is pretty good insight into what this guy's world is like. It's pretty pretty hilarious. 
His house looks like it landed on a hill, you know? It's it's like a like a spaceship, and there's no way of knowing where the front door is except that the somehow the grounds just take you into the into the into the front into the opening where there's a giant reflecting pool the size of this room. And there was his son was playing with a motorboat in the in the reflection pool. And I and then Joel walks up to me and he calls over his son and he goes, Come here for a second, come here for a second. And he says uh, to his kid, um, do you know who this is? <laughs> and his son goes, no. And Joel says, all right, go to your room. <laughs> and then when his son goes upstairs, he looks at me and he goes, I did the same thing with Downey two years ago. <laughs> and you know what my kid's going upstairs to do right now? He's going to play with one of Downey's action figures. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You want my kid to know who you are. <laughs> These are my Picassos. <laughs> He's a funny fucker. It goes on yeah. from there, but that's that's a taste of what it's like to be courted by Joel. He's a low key funny fucker. He is. Anyway, but that gives you a sense of this guy, man. What a fucking character. He's, I guess, a real Hollywood type. What, what do you expect? What you would want from these weird Hollywood eccentric types? Yeah. Can we talk about Reginald Vell Johnson, though? Yes. Of Family Matters fame? Otherwise known as Carl Winslow. I was singing, trying to sing along as though I knew it, and I only half knew it. Yeah, I was similar. But, man, I, you know me, I love these fucking sitcom things. That's that's up there for me as one of the best, I reckon. The, but... <laughs> Reginald Van Johnson, he's played a cop in many, many things. So he's a cop, obviously, in Family Matters. He's a cop in Ghostbusters. He's a cop in... Ghostbusters? Yeah. It's very, very small. Oh. Um, like, I think when they get locked up or something, he's there laughing at them or something. But, he's yeah, he's he's always a cop. His bromance with Bruce in this is so strong. It's a very powerful... He shot a kid. And he nearly shot another kid at the end. <laughs> Like, I, I, for, I kind of forgot about that whole kind of subplot. And at the end, he nearly shoots the kid again in the limo. Imagine if that was the end, he shot him. That'd be deep. That would be fucked up. Crocodile Dundee. Ah, Crocodile Dundee's a cop, yeah. Turner and Hooch. The man, yeah, there you go. The man loves a Twinkie. For my wife. She's yeah. pregnant. But man, I feel bad for this guy because he's had huge success off Die Hard. Uh, he has a huge opportunity to have a sitcom. He's the main character in this sitcom, right? Right? It's like, I've got, I got my own fucking sitcom. How good is this? Yeah. And it's a fam- It's about his family. And actually, the original theme song was, I've seen trees of green, red roses too. Like it's, it's like a much, it's a very different show. There's notice, noticeably absent from the opening credits in the original is there's no Urkel. That's because Urkel was not even a character until episode four when he had one little fucking appearance as people, as a bad date for, for the daughter. And then he moved in next door. And this, yeah. Laura. And Laura. This was his first appearance in episode four. Oh. You wouldn't go out with him. True. But I have a date. You waited too long to put yourself on the market. Face it, girl. You're at the sale table. <laughs> Not her. Not now. Not ever. Well, 
Don't look now. He's coming this way. Hi, Laura. I hear you can't get a date for the dance. So you want to go with me? Take a hike, Urkel. She'd rather eat worms. Okay, some other time then. That's his first appearance. Very relatively small appearance. But suddenly he catches on in America and now he actually becomes the main character, like literally is the main character of this show. And poor old fucking um, Reginald Vell Johnson is just now a supporting character in, in what is otherwise fucking <laughs> the Urkel show. You know, he appears every Friday night like Urkel. Like it's just the Urkel show. Everyone just says Urkel. No one says family matters. Oh, have you ever thought of that? It's meant to be just a normal sitcom. It's like Cosby Show, but blue collar. It's a cop, and it's you know everyone learns a lesson. Yada yada yada. Very based in reality. And then a couple seasons in, there's fucking a nerd transforming in a fucking machine into a cool guy. <laughs> like you know, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. But I'd never thought about that as a kid. You just think it's the Urkel Show. Poor, poor guy. You know, it's, this is actually a spinoff from my favorite sitcom theme song of all time. Full House? Perfect Strangers. Perfect House? It's a spin-off of Perfect Strangers. And Full House? No, just Perfect Strangers. <laughs> Stop saying no. Say yes and. Yes and, but Perfect Strangers. Okay. So this is this is one of the first trailers on TV where they announced there's a spin-off of Perfect Strangers. So Harriet, the mother, was in Perfect Strangers as the same character. Harriet, the mother from what? Family Matters. What was she in? Perfect strangers. She was an elevator operator. Really? Yeah, watch. What? <laughs> what are you doing? I, I am waiting for Harriet. I, I want to use the elevator. Well, Harriet doesn't run the elevator anymore. She don't? No. Well, well wh- wh- whoever they got to replace her is late. Melky, the elevator runs by itself. It does? Yes. Well, what was Harriet doing in there at that whole time? No, Harriet used to run the elevator, but now she's got her own show. It's called Family Matters. Watch this. What is happening? That's your mama. Harriet, wait a minute. What do I do now? You could open the door. Anyway, they then... She sounds like... Loretta. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. But yeah, so then they play a trailer for that movie. But who would have thought? Because also then Urkel crosses over into Full House at one point. So there's another connected universe happening right there. See? They're everywhere. Joel Silver. Joel Silver. All over it. (laughs) What are your thoughts on the Christmas movie status of this? It's fine. It's a Christmas movie. You reckon? Yeah, why not? I reckon it's a Christmas movie as well. Why not? It's got the Christmas tree that falls over at one point. There's heaps of jingle bells in the score. So there's... There's Winter Wonderland, Christmas in Hollies. I don't know what that is. There's Let It Snow twice, and there's Jingle Bells. What more could you? What more could you want? And it's a family that comes back together over hard times, realizing what's really important. And has a big bloody kiss. Yeah. After the sex party. After the sex party. Yeah. Well, it was one of those ones where I was like, oh, I should, I should watch this and take note of all the Christmas things. But then I thought I'll just Google it because someone else has probably done it. And I found this awesome website called Stephen Follows. Check it out. But it basically he did uh, this blog using data to determine if Die Hard is a Christmas movie. These are some of the ingredients. There's 21 distinct Christmassy elements from Santa hats to Christmas trees, etc. 
based on the number of Christmas songs, it has it is more Christmassy than ninety nine point two percent of movies out there. Correct. Correct. Well, and then I guess um, <laughs> that adds up. That adds up. Um, <laughs> working against it, I would have said ninety nine point three, but yeah, <laughs> I reckon the the one part that is pretty blatantly against the being a Christmas movie is it came out in July. That's that's questionable. And apparently, the like looking at the data, the poster and the tagline and stuff is not very Christmassy. But analyzing page views to Wikipedia spikes around Christmas in proportion with all of other Christmas movies. Google Trends similarly so. So spiking around Christmas once again. So the verdict he landed at was it's not explicitly a Christmas movie, but in pop culture it is, and that's all that matters. I tend to agree. If you watch it as a Christmas movie, hey, Death of the Author and all that, if, if, you, if you want to be, it's a Christmas movie. Death of the Author. I'm not sure what it means, but I agree. It means the intention doesn't matter. Yeah. It's how you interpret it. That's what I, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> it's more Christmas than I remember. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Like the, There's a lot. Like it's a Christmas party. They have yeah. a Christmas party. Christmas sex party. And there's, <laughs> and there's Christmas carols in it. There's heaps of Christmas carols. There's a Christmas tree. There's yeah. ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Like it's... I have a machine gun. <laughs> Why do you sound like a stoned Gruber? Ho, ho, ho. A stoned Gruber that's had a stroke. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, recasties? Ooh. You got... I think recasties are illegal for this film based on the perfection. Yeah. This is the whole point. Any any recast he just pulls it down into B like grade action, yeah. yeah. But I had a stab anyway. Oh uh, yeah. For Hans Gruber, I had Vince Castle. He's foreign. Look it look him up. You'll know his face. I don't know what he's in. He's in like some random things. He plays like a French bad guy. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. could be he could be Hans. Yeah. I think it was in Oceans Twelve or something. And then I couldn't yeah. quite yeah. And then I couldn't quite decide for John. Either Luke Wilson. <laughs> yeah, because you've got to pick someone that you wouldn't expect. That's kind of the thing you've got to work with. Or Danny McBride. Whoa, okay. I think you tapped into the right well there. Someone that is purely known for comedy. Well, that's kind of, I've, got, I've just kind of ripped off what happened. But Yeah, but that's, that's kind of the idea, right? Because yeah. otherwise you're just turning it into a traditional action movie. Mm. So that works. Uh, let's wrap it up. All right, let's get into the verdict. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again. Say what again. I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Verdict is yes. It's a pretty good movie. <laughs> it's pretty perfect. There's not much else to say. Watch it at Christmas. Watch it at Easter. Watch it at Passover. Watch it at Watch it at Ramadan. Watch I can't it think of any of them now. Hanukkah? Hanukkah. Watch it at Kwanzaa. I don't know. Watch it at Scientology things. Mm. Watch it. It's good. <laughs> yeah, Did watch you... it. It's good. There's not much to say in terms of verdict here. It's obviously we, good. We've good got movie. one more Christmas movie before Christmas. Two more. OMG. We've got two more Christmas movies before Christmas. OMG. Oh. <laughs> what have we got next week? The Santa Claus. Will that one hold up? Can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. 
And then we have Home Alone. Kevin! <gasps> That's a mum I had a crush on. I thought, I, for whatever reason, I had a crush on her. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. right, let's say that. That's yeah. fucking weird. All right. I guess that's it. Leave us a review. I'm tired. Love you. Um, Get Van If you disagree with us, let us know. Any requests, let us know. Get Van Damme. Merry Christmas to everybody. Merry Christmas, everybody.